0: The reading is taken from Genesis chapter 11 verse 27 to chapter 12 verse 7. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of Kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Ter took Abram as his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur, the land of the Chaldeans, to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. This is the word of God.
1: Would you join me as we pray once more? Let's pray together. Father, it's good to gather this morning Thank you for calling us here to be in your presence. We pray that your spirit would help us to understand these words that we just heard, uh, these words of life that have been given to us. Uh, So, spirit, would you speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, If we haven't met, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here at Emmanuel. and I have the the privilege of starting a a new sermon series uh, on the love of God. Uh, And so for the next five weeks, we're going to consider this topic uh, to expand and broaden our understanding of the love of God, uh, because it is so vast, it is so much beyond our comprehension than we might think. Uh, And today, uh, we're going to look at the the promising love of God. And and this is one of the most significant and beautiful themes that we see all throughout Scripture. Uh, From the very beginning, we see God making promises with his people, uh, with Adam and Eve. And then with Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David. And God not only makes these promises, but he also fulfills them. Uh, he never goes back on his word. He never makes empty promises and he never forgets them. And we're going to consider this morning the promise that's been given to Abraham. And as we walk through this story, we're going to consider three things about the promising love of God. Uh, first, the promising love of God seeks us out. Uh, secondly, it knows us through and through. And then lastly, it reminds us. Of His promises, so first, the promising love of God seeks us out uh, we 're introduced to uh, the the character of Abraham uh, at the end of chapter eleven in the book of Genesis, and we know that his family is from this city called Ur, which is in the southern region of Babylonia, and at some point we know that uh, abraham's father decides to move the entire family. Uh, to the land of Canaan. Now, we're, we're not actually given reasons for why they they want to move or why Abraham's father wants to move there, uh, but we know that they begin to travel northwest. And instead of going all the way to Canaan, they eventually stop and settle in the city of Haran. Now, the, the cities of, of Ur and Haran, they were the centers of trade in the ancient world. Uh, But despite living in these thriving cities, Abraham, we know, endured through two significant difficulties in his life. Uh, First, his father dies in the land of Haran sometime after they settled there. And then secondly, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, are, at the time, they didn't have any children. And, And they were not young people at this time. And in the, in the ancient world, having children, it was this life goal that everyone desired. Having a son, in particular, was this high priority because it meant that your family name, your legacy, would continue on through your son. And so for any family line to come to an end would have been devastating for anyone. And sadly, for women like Sarah, who weren't able to conceive, they were considered social outcasts. Now, I, I can't help but think that Abraham probably had a lot on his shoulders. He's the one who's following and obeying his father, who's deciding to take their entire family from their home in Ur to Haran. And then his father eventually dies, in this new land. So it looks like it's all on Abraham to continue the family legacy. But then how is he going to honor the life of his father, his ancestors, when he has no child? He has no son to carry the family name. Can you imagine the other people in their town looking at Abraham as less than? And I wouldn't be be surprised if Abraham struggled with his own sense of worth. Uh, Brene Brown, she's a research professor who studies topics of vulnerability and shame, and she once said this, A deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need of all people. If we want to fully experience love and belonging, we must believe that we are worthy of love and belonging. But so many of us have created a long list of worthiness prerequisites. I'll be worthy when I lose 20 pounds. I'll be worthy if I can get pregnant. I'll be worthy if everyone thinks I'm a good parent. I'll be worthy when I make partner. I'll be worthy when my parents finally approve. I'll be worthy when I can do it all and look like I'm not even trying. Now, what if for Abraham, he longed each day to have a sense of worth by having a child? What if each day he carried all this pressure to honor the legacy of his father and his ancestors? But in the midst of all of this, settling into a new city, having to bury his father, enduring through the cultural shame of not being a parent the promising love of God shows up. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Out of nowhere, God seeks Abraham. And what's remarkable is that Abraham wasn't actively seeking out God. There, There isn't anything explicit in our passage that tells us that Abraham was a devout follower of God. And so objectively speaking, why would God pursue Abraham? What made Abraham stand out? And yet God found Abraham worth pursuing. On paper, there wasn't anything impressive about Abraham's spiritual record. Abraham hadn't done anything leading up to this point to warrant a personal encounter from God. But God seeks after Abraham because that is the kind of God that he is. God's love is so remarkable that he seeks after people not because they stand out, but because God sees sees each of us worth pursuing after no matter what we've done. And this is something that we see all throughout the scriptures, where where God doesn't make us beg for his attention, or where we have to grovel at his feet, hoping that he's going to acknowledge us. God is the one who makes the first move. He's the one seeking us out, even in those moments when we might not be seeking after him. The promising love of God seeks us out, and this love shows us that we are worth everything to God. So, promising love of God seeks us out. And we'll now see, secondly, that the promising love of God also knows us through and through. Chapter 12, verse 1, again says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, from your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So God seeks after Abraham, and the first thing that God says to him is, is unthinkable. He tells Abraham, pack up your bags, get your family together, and let's get moving. God, God doesn't also give any directions. He doesn't give specifics on where he's supposed to go. And for Abraham, this all might feel a little too familiar, because years ago, he did the same exact thing when he had to leave his home of Ur, ending up in Haran. And now God is telling him to uproot his family again? But God doesn't stop there. Verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham shares a number of these wonderful promises to Abraham, but, but notice that they're not these generic promises and blessings but they are so specific and personal to abraham god offers the promise of land to abraham and this must have struck a chord with him given that he and his family have been living the life of nomads for all of these years god also promises that he will make his name great this must have also struck a chord with him too. Right? What if Abraham really did struggle with his sense of identity and worth? When he's looking around the community that he lives in, looking at other men, seeing other fathers raising up their sons to take responsibility, to carry on the family legacy. What if he, what if he carried all kinds of shame of not being a father? With every year that passes, that shame grows heavier and heavier. What if Abraham had insecurities of not being a faithful son to his dad? And in those moments when we struggle with our own sense of identity and worth, what, what do we do? Sometimes we, we might strive every day, for our own sense of worth. How how many times have we looked over to the left or to the right, and we see people advancing up the ladder of success, and we wanna follow suit. Maintaining status quo is not an option, but we desire and we want to climb rung after rung, hoping that by doing so, it'll give us a sense of accomplishment and of identity. Or, instead of striving, we might end up settling with the life that we have. Maybe we, we tried striving. We, we tried putting in the effort, but the results never panned out the way we had hoped. We might start to believe that the world, everyone else, they're, they're against us. and So we settled tell ourselves what's the point but deep down we still know that this really isn't the way that it's supposed to be in Abraham's case the promising love of God appears and shows him that God knows him through and through God offers these promises to tell Abraham that the days of either striving or of settling are eventually coming to an end. And so Abraham follows everything that God says, even though what seems to have been promised to him just is beyond his wildest dreams. But but how in the world could Abraham just get up and leave everything, do this one more time, just from one encounter with God. Well, the New Testament book of Hebrews gives us some insight. In in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So according to Hebrews, we know that Abraham was this forward-looking person who had genuine faith that God would be good on his word. And when we continue to trace the promises of God throughout the Bible. we see see something in the opening pages of the New Testament of a somewhat familiar story. Because a time would come when God would send his own son, his own son, Jesus, to go from the heavenly realms to leave his father's house and to go to a land that is utterly different from what he's used to. Jesus, is the epitome of God's promising love, where Jesus sought us out. He is the one who would offer us what is truly meaningful to each and every one of us because he knows us through and through. And what would Jesus do? He would offer his name, his inheritance. Invite us into the full and abundant life that that we're all striving for. So Jesus entered into our world to fulfill the promise made to Abraham that through him all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so do you see how God did not offer up empty promises, but he was good on his word? through offering his own son, Jesus, so that we, along with Abraham and his family, would that we would also be considered children of the loving God. And so the promising love of God, it seeks us out and knows us through and through. And the last thing to consider is that the promising love of God also reminds us of his promises. In verse 4, Says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. So after Abraham receives all these amazing promises from God. From this powerful encounter with the living God, Abraham, he gathers up his family and everything that he has, leaves his home over Haran, heads to the land of Canaan. Now, at times, the, the Bible is not this exhaustive account of history where it gives us every single detail of what's going on. And so, I would be curious to know what kind of conversations Abraham had, sorry, Abraham had with his family throughout this journey. Right? Remember, God didn't tell him exactly where to go and where, where they would end up. And so could there have been moments where they're starting to second guess this encounter, wondering if they're doing the right thing? but we find that God meets Abraham along the way. Starting at the end of verse five, it says, when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the Oak of Morah. At the time, the Canaanites were living in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. So after giving the promises of blessing while Abraham is in the land of Canaan, God shows up and confirms to Abraham that this is it. This is what I've been telling you. So what a powerful reminder to Abraham of his promising love. To him. In the midst of a long journey, not knowing exactly where they're supposed to go, maybe even having second thoughts, disagreements, family tension along the way, God shows up and tells Abraham that he has not forgotten him. He has not forgotten about the promises that he has made. To him and to his family and so god not only makes promises but he reminds us of his promises sometimes in the very moments when we when we might need it the most uh, a few years into our marriage uh, g and i we endured through a painful and difficult experience of a miscarriage and in the days when g was recovering uh, we were both at home, and, and I remember one of those first mornings, uh, we were both still laying in bed, fully awake, but just numb, grieving our loss. And then G turns to me, and she says, Tim, you know, God knows what it's like to lose a child. And it was in that moment where, you know, she didn't say anything new, because cognitively we're like, oh, yeah, no one would ever dispute that. But yet at that moment, it was exactly what we needed to be reminded of God's love for us. And so if if God not only offers promises, but he also reminds us of his promises, then it means that reminders will come our way. And so have there been times recently when you have experienced a beautiful reminder of God's love for you? Were there moments where where friends showed up when you needed them to show up? And they were present with you. He said a word of encouragement that you just really needed to hear. Did God appeared in maybe ways that you just weren't expecting, but he showed up and it was so meaningful for you. And as we experience and receive these reminders of God's love, he calls us to then also be a blessing. To others. Verse 2, God tells Abraham, I will make of you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And so, one way that we could be a blessing to others is to remind others of God's promising love. As we have received His love, in what ways might God be calling us? to share that blessing with those that are around us. think Think about where you live, your workplace, your school, the people and places that you're around most days. How might God be calling you to be a blessing? From time to time, we could even offer up a prayer, a simple prayer by asking God, God, help me to be a blessing to those that are around me. Use my, my words, my actions, my presence to remind people of your promising love. And so, friends, may God's Spirit continue to remind us of his promising love, a love that seeks us out, a love that knows us through and through, May God's Spirit empower us to be a blessing to those around us so that more and more people may encounter this promising love. Let's all pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning, uh, another reminder, God, of your love for us, where we are gathered here We're able to know that we are not alone. There are others here with us. We're able to sing and pray and experience your presence here. So God, thank you for seeking us out. Thank you that even in the moments when we had no thought to seek you out, your love for us was always there, and you pursued after us. And God, you sent your son, Jesus, who would willingly give up everything so that we would share in the bounty of his inheritance, of his great name and honor, that we would be considered children of the living God. And so, Father, I pray that this would encourage all of us, it would it would fill our hearts, and that it would move us outward to our friends our neighbors, our classmates, our coworkers, that we would be a blessing to them. That more people would indeed come to experience this promising love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.